0: Hello and welcome to Death Nerve, the horror movie podcast. I'm Rob Saunders and in this podcast I talk to various funny and interesting people about horror films. In this episode i talk talked to writer, podcaster and slasher movie expert Justin Kurzweil about the 1978 masterpiece John Carpenter's Halloween. Justin is part of the Hysteria Continues podcast along with Joseph Henson, Eric Threlfall and Nathan Johnson. It's a deep dive into the slasher genre there's, and there's over 200 episodes of it now, covering like a whole spectrum of slasher films from the classics to the much more obscure, it's a really good listen, I can't recommend that podcast enough. Justin also writes a great slasher movie review blog called The Hysteria Lives, which is a hugely comprehensive archive of slasher flicks, and he's regularly updating it as well, so it's definitely worth a browse, and as, along with all that, Justin also wrote the book on slasher movies, Teenage Wasteland, which is brilliant, not only is it hugely informative, it's a Full of great images and classic posters. It's a brilliant like coffee table book. It's just a yeah, brilliant book. If you can get a copy of it, definitely do. As you may have guessed from all that, Justin is extremely knowledgeable about slasher movies and horror in general. We had a great chat about Halloween, how Justin fell in love with the slasher genre and the good old VHS days. Yeah, it's a really good one and I really hope you enjoy the podcast. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Yeah, my first question is always, are you a horror fan?
1: Are you a fan of horror films? Yeah, I've been a lifelong fan of horror movies. Um, I think I, I probably came out of the womb. It sounds awful, doesn't it? Came out of the womb, a horror fan. But I kind of always had a fascination with the macabre um, as a kid. And um, you see, I, I, when I grew up, I, I kind of felt between two, two a rock and a hard place, really, when I grew up, because I grew up in the 70s. Um, and so, uh, so I kind of... I I started watching like I tried to watch the horror films on the BBC. BBC One or BBC Two used to do a horror double bill in the late seventies, early nineteen eighties. Um, but my parents wouldn't let me watch them. So my, one of my earliest memories is actually doing this kind of ninja move and climbing round the back um of the sofa under the sofa to try and watch this bbc horror double bill but my parents are watching come Di- uh, come dancing or something terrible <laughs> so so it took a while but i um i eventually got to start watching those and they used to be like used to be like a hammer one and then it'd be like an amicus one or a 70s one quite often used to have these I, i've got I, two of my um uh, most um uh stringent memories of if that's the right word well one was watching this filipino horror movie um which i've never seen where they actually had live autopsy footage uh, well, real autopsy footage <laughs> in it on yeah. bbc one i thought wow that's but the, the 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 funniest one for me is watching the original black christmas um with my mother and they'd they'd clearly um aired an unedited version because i remember still remember to this day probably being about twelve thirteen. And um, the pretty pink cunt line was in there, and I think it's the first and probably only time the BBC well, at that time. Anyway, they they aired it. And I can <laughs> yeah. remember it being. I'm sure Barry took. You're probably too young to remember, but it um, used to be points of view writing to. There's probably a few <laughs> stiff letters from uh, people about that, but uh, but yeah, I um, and then um, I, because I say rock and hard place because when I grew up, I was too young really to see the video nasties because obviously I was in 1982 when it, that was all starting. I was about 13 um and we, our parents were quite uh, late adopters to getting a vcr video player so i used to go to rediffusion and those kind of video shops and i used to see the covers for films like um uh, shivers and rabid uh and friday the 13th well, I don't know if you remember the friday the 13th cover in the uk was uh not the the famous cover of the silhouette of the the um the the campers and the person holding knife it was alice at the end it looked like some kind of i don't know some um uh lakes holiday brochure with her with her hand in the water in <laughs> the canoe um but i remember thinking i really want to see these movies and um uh in the school playground there were all these rumors about people who said they'd seen the movies most of them made them up and one memory i had about friday the 13th was this girl at school said that she'd seen friday the 13th and it was about people having accidents on friday the 13th and like falling off ladders and a woman driving mm-hmm. along the freeway and a car filling up and her drowning and very kind of ridiculous childlike things and we all just thought, like, wow this is amazing um but it wasn't until I started um, uh, consuming all the, the Guy and Smith and the James Herbert books, um, like the uh, like James Herbert, The Rats, The, the Fog, obviously not, not John Carpenter's version, uh, and Lair and uh, The Crabs and Night of the Crabs and all those kind of things. And it was a, a, like an indoor market in Guildford where I grew up. And um, so you could buy buy one, bring it back, and get 50% off the next one, that kind of thing. So I worked my way through all of those. And then in the next stall along, there was someone selling videos, and there i remember seeing the videos on the top shelf up there there were things like zombie flesh eaters and i actually remember way way back in the 1979 and 1980 when i was about nine or ten years old that the the local um uh, cinema uh, had zombie flesh eaters the poster outside i remember seeing that actually outside the cinema and I'm thinking wow really that looks amazing yeah. and seeing all these film posts of happy birthday to me um uh friday 30, part two "The sort of a horror dressed to kill double bill our school bus used to go past the odeon in guildford and they'd all be there like alien I think there's alien and something I can't remember what the double bill was of alien but uh, they always seemed to be horror double bills always at the odeon in sort of 1981 82 uh so um and so it wasn't until we got vcr and uh, then I used to go and hire films. But by that point, most of the video nasties had been banned, so they weren't there. So most of the films I saw um, were films that, that um, had been cut, like Rosemary's Killer, The Prowler, and that had been quite heavily cut. But um, uh, but coming on to uh, Halloween, I mean, I would, we'll talk about Halloween, but I actually saw Halloween 2 first. Uh, it was my first horror film, adult in inverted commas horror film I'd mm-hmm. ever seen. And that must have been, I think it was really, I looked it up, but that was released in November 1982 on video. So um, I remember my friend's mum brought us beans on toast and we watched it in front of the TV. So I'd have been 13 or so, and that was my first time when I was hooked, and I saw Friday 13th, and I was like, wow, this is really, the, these are living up to what I kind of imagined horror movies were, not the stuffy old Hammer films, which I've kind of grown to love. But at the time, it was a bit like, you know, lots of people riding around the countryside in Georgian attire, and... The occasional drop of blood—it wasn't really what I was craving at that time. I wanted to see the real horror movies. Mm. So, uh, so yes, you could say I was a horror, horror fan growing up.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah I think there's definitely like a certain when you're a certain age, and if you're in a certain like into a certain like you said the more, the more macabre sort of stuff, like you want it a more full on, don't you? When you're at a certain age, it's not definitely uh, you mature into the le- more uh, um, like the less violent stuff. I remember being younger myself and just wanting, you know, once again. Wanting in the, the more vicious and brutal horror films I could find. Now I'm not so, like, you know, I, I'm a bit bit more uh, screamish for them. But,
1: yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's kind of, as a as a young kid, I, kind of, I was a kind of gore hound and I loved uh, gory horror movies. But again, I saw movies that I remember seeing the original Suspiria when I was 15 and thinking it was rubbish. And now it's one of my favourite movies. And I saw the The Living Dead at Manchester Morgue, uh um and it came out as the living dead and it came out after the video nasties thing so i had all the gore cut out and mm. so watching it, i was thinking what on earth is the fuss about all of this um but um just one last funny story about the vcr uh, things i i was i i heard one of your one of your previous guests was talking about i think it was a older brother or somebody a sibling made them watch Horror, or was it yourself? It was made to watch horror movies. Um, yeah, it, my it, brother, it You do, wasn't I it? Your brother. used to watch Evil yeah. Dead
0: at a very young age.
1: That's right. I used to show my sister clips from horror movies, who's kind of uh, <laughs> uh, significantly younger for me. So I her for life. So I used to show her, um, you know, get these clips and rewind them, do all that kind of scanners, head exploding, all those kind of things. Yeah. And um, <laughs> yeah. it wasn't until the one time we we rented it's Enigma, the Lucha Fulci movie about the, um, which I haven't seen since that day. That must have been, I don't know, late 80s. Uh, and the one about the nuns and the slugs or the snails crawling up people's faces, and um, I hired it, and my, my one of my grandmothers was around, and she watched it, and then I was never allowed to hire a family movie night, um, a movie for family night again, so
0: it's
1: uh, <laughs> yeah. so kind of slightly more of a solitary p- uh, passion my, by my... that point.
0: <laughs> yeah, my nan used to just buy any video. I remember she just had a big collection of videos, and she just used to buy anything. I don't think she ever watched them, but she used to have like a weird little collection of just, like, Slasher movies. So she. Our oh, first time I saw April Fool's Day was just at my uh, nan's house because it was just there. I don't think she's ever watched it, but. Yeah, and films like that. I think she used to just buy loads of videos and just put them in her cupboard and just never watch them. But me and my brother, we definitely did watch them.
1: Yeah, it was funny. I think sometimes because none of my family, my brother has got into horror horror movies since, but he was very squeamish. Um, But no one else in my family had any interest in horror movies. And I remember when I worked, I lived in Brighton for a number of years, and I worked at the Odeon back in the early 90s. And there was this little old lady used to come in. And uh, we kind of nicknamed her The Jumper because she liked to be escorted down the steps of the Odeon, this big screen, and have people, she would jump like a little girl down the steps, but have two people <laughs> holding her arm. And the first time she came in, she said, um, she said, oh, is this movie violent? And we said, yes. And she said, oh, good. I love violent movies. <laughs> so she wanted to see the more, the most violent movies that we had, which obviously in the early 90s and the Odeon wasn't that violent, but it's... Um, Uh, so I saw quite a few movies back then I remember seeing Candyman the premiere for Candyman um, and uh, in like about four people in cinema because it was like a private showing for the people working there and uh, and uh, films like that, so it was kind of yeah, so it was all the way through, um, uh, growing up. Although I think I had a dip when I went to college, I kind of lost a bit of interest in horror movies, and it wasn't until kind of the mid 90s, I kind of guess, I kind of got back. But I think for me, the 90s until Scream was a bit of a wilderness year, uh, era, the early 90s for horror movies because mm. they weren't, I, I kind of guess, they they the 80s have been so big for horror movies and it kind of tailed off. Uh, and it wasn't until, the, but, but horror is a cyclical genre anyway, isn't it? Kind of waxes and wanes. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, But like you now, I'm kind of I I really love uh, kind of more arcane movies, or movies that make uh, give you a bit of a chill. I love still love the gory old movies. I watched Night of the Creeps the other day. I love fun movies. I, I'm not. I don't watch films like Cannibal, Ferox or any of those kind of movies anymore. It's kind of, it's, you know, it's one and done really for me. I'm not that interested in those kind of extreme, um, challenging myself for horror movies anymore, really. It's kind of nostalgia, but I still, I love watching new horror movies as well, as long as they're good. And sometimes if they're very bad, that's also good. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah, um, you were saying about the, the the early '90s. Was was it Scream that got you back into horror, or was it just happened to be around the same sort of time? Because you mentioned Candyman, that seems to be like a, a sort of the weird anomaly in that era, doesn't it? Really, that's like a very good horror film around that era. That sort of before Scream, is it? Yeah, that was '92. Um,
1: that was '92. Yeah. So that was I. Again, I remember there was a woman I worked with at a cinema, and she's about my maybe a little bit older. And she'd gone in there. It's a d- afternoon off, and just to watch it, and she came out, and she was white as a sheet. And I thought and she was really shaken by it and thinking uh, because there is something about watching films on the big screen, which, of course, during the pandemic, we've not been able to. Um, Although I've got a projector now, so I do screen, you know, watch films on relatively big screens, which is which is nice. Um, But uh, but yeah, the 90s are weird time. I remember feeling like I before the the, because it was before the Internet as well. So it felt like the interest in horror movies had dropped off a cliff by the '90s. uh, Apart from anomalies like Candyman and some of the other sort of movies, Um, so it felt like it felt quite lonely being a horror movie fan. So I had, you know, I used to get friends round. I used to we used to watch on. So we used to watch Troll Two and have, like, Movie Nights Troll 2 in the um, early 90s, early mid-90s, the so long before it became a, it, mm. you know. So we, I used to show, um, and I got known for showing, you know, Evil Dead, Textures of Massacre, all these kind of films to friends. Um, and I used to love trying to scare people in a in a good way, in a positive way, you know, having a good time with horror movies. And it felt like for a long time yeah. that had kind of disappeared. Um, so when Scream came out, it was kind of an interesting time because... Um, uh it, it was a couple of years before i started my uh website hysteria lives but i remember going to see that twice and one time the audience uh reacted it to it as if it was a comedy and they laughed with it not at it but with it and the next time people re- the audience reacted to it as if it was a real straight ahead horror slasher thriller movie people were screaming and shouting at the screen so it was, it was really interesting to see that kind of reaction to it um and uh and it felt for a while i'm going to see cinema unseen the trailer for i know what you did last summer coming up and it felt really like horror was back and it was this kind of reemergence. re-emergence and um uh i used to take part in things called the news groups i don't know if you ever remember the news groups they were like um it would be like alt horror alt dot horror it used to be like um there would be text only message boards that um uh, so you'd have everything from alt dot werewolves alt dot Ten- tentacle porn whatever whatever you can imagine there would be something <laughs> these these groups so I used to do all horror and it used to be like this kind of way, um uh melee of um uh it was like the sum of horror it was just like it was troll city everyone's trolling each other they was just kind of running battles people from all werewolves would come over to have these kind of troll battles <laughs> with people it was just kind of crazy times um but at the time, there was all the thing about trendy horror. I don't know if you remember in the late '90s, it was all the yeah. kind of, the WB stars and saying it was trendy horror. But I never really, for me, I've got a real issue with snobbery in horror. I don't believe I, you know, I I can't I can't abide snobbery in horror. So I, I if a horror film's good or it's entertaining, as I always, say the worst thing any film can be horror or not is boring. So. So, but I can't abide, it's weird now, I can't abide snobbery in horror movies, but also I can't abide, there's a recent thing I found where some people take some horror movies too seriously, and I think some horror movies should be taken seriously, they're, they're, you know, worthy um, of uh, looking into and... um, and uh, dissecting and were do were good uh, decent criticism but sometimes some of these films i grew up with that i know that people made them were had their tongue in their cheek but i've seen some people writing about some of these movies as if they're i don't know sort of um trufo or sort of or some kind of or they're <laughs> some like they're really um uh, and i find that's kind of weird thing some of the films that i grew up with now people are treating as if they're the most uh, um uh sort of uh, uh kind of um uh, sacrily it's, it's a sacrosanct or sort of it's it's, it's yeah. kind of weird so so what i'm finding it's kind of weird i suppose it's just like being as old as i am it's kind of seeing the waxing and waning of how people treat movies um but uh yeah so um but yeah the mid i think scream um certainly reignited my interest in in the slasher genre uh and that was um uh you know because going back to you know in the early 80s and i was watching these slasher movies and i love them of course now watching them back they've got this kind of this uh, veil of nostalgia as well whereas when i was watching them in 1982 83 they were two or three years old so and of course mostly missing all the gore effects as well which was uh not not great so um uh, but it seemed like horror had gone underground because I remember going to, used to go to these um, movie fairs at, uh, in London where you could buy under the counter tapes, of, a counterfeit um, VHS tapes of Maniac, the Belgian cut. So it would have Belgian mm-hmm. subtitles and things like that. So... And people were going to, you know, reading stuff like Seduction of the Gullible, the um, John Martin uh, book. And, you know, people were going to prison for swapping horror movies. It was crazy, mm-hmm. crazy time. So there was also this kind of weird frisson of slight danger to it as well, which was um, which was strange. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, Scream definitely reignited my interest in the horror movies. And I think it kind of that influenced me, um, inspired me to kind of start writing about them at, at that point. Um,
0: yeah, I think Scream, for me, as you were saying about watching the early 80s slasher movies, being a nostalgia thing, that era of films like Scream, and I know what you did last summer, I was a teenager around that time, so again, watching them now is very nostalgic for me, like, it sort of reminds me of a very particular era of, of films and fashion and music, and yeah. What, what was it about slasher movies that like drew, drew you uh, into it then, so like, obviously around the time of Scream you said you started your uh, blog, The Hysteria Lives? yes um, how did, what was it about slasher movies particularly that uh, that you wanted to write about
1: it was it was funny actually because um i i was at co- i'd i'd um returned to college to a master's degree in um in uh, uh basically it and i kind of i m- realized i'd made a terrible mistake <laughs> so i kind of thought well i I didn't want to, I couldn't, you know, I was doing all these things like databases and I had no interest. It took me three goes to get my maths O level and I always thought, oh my God, what on earth have I done? So I actually thought, well, while I'm at college... Um, I'll do enough to get by and I did get my master's degree um, but I thought I'll teach myself two things, Photoshop and Dreamweaver the two things I wanted to teach myself uh, while I was there and I thought well those things I want to use, I wanted to use those as a career going forward and I thought well what, if I want to create a website, why don't I do a website that I about something I enjoy I thought that was a good idea right so I thought well i start a horror movie website and I thought well what do I do Slash movies, no one's writing about slash movies then, they just weren't and also slasher movies, for me, there's um, even back in the days of Fangoria, and when Friday the 13th was coming out in 1980, Fangoria, people were writing Fangoria going, this is a load of trash, it's worthless, you know, horror's gone to the dogs. So people have always got this idea, the, this rose-tinted idea of horror movies and the genre. But every time you've had a new uh, new wave of horror, there's been people critical of it so um horror, slasher movies always seem to be like the um the, the least worthy of consideration by anyone so i thought well i loved halloween 2 i loved friday the thing for my bloody valentine happy birthday to me all these movies i grew up loving and no i didn't know many other people who did so i thought well why not do a bit of a love letter to them um so i didn't that was uh coming up for 25 years ago so quite a long time
0: yeah, it's it's a very comprehensive. Like, there's a lot of stuff on there. It's great. It's great just to troll through and so, like again, you've got your your more known stuff and lots to go for a very deep dive into the more obscure. It's great. It's a great place to like just find some films I've never heard of just to check out. Same with the podcast as well. The hysteria continues. Like, there's you cover everything and it's there's so many episodes of that now. How many is there now is there? A,
1: it's about oh, two hundred. I think we've done our two hundred and... 30 something, something, yes. sort of yeah, lost count. But yeah. it's been, I mean, again, yeah. that, that was, uh, I mean, podcasting back when we started, it's been 10 years now since we started that. And again, that was, um, uh, you know, there wasn't really that many horror podcasts at the time, and it was quite a new thing. And we didn't think we'd be still be going 10 years later. It's kind of it's, it's kind of crazy. Um, but again, I think there's, we, there's a kind of snobbery around slasher movies. And um, I mean, for me, I've kind of, you know, and for you being a fan of the slasher movie, which I know you are, is that there are different types of slasher movies. Um, for me, or even back then, I was much more, I'd much rather sit with a group of people and watch Hell Night than Don't Go Into the House, for instance. Not mm-hmm. that I don't like Don't Go Into the House, but and I have a, an appreciation for those grimmer, uh, slasher movies of the early, late seventies and early eighties, but I, you know, if I want to eat popcorn, drink beer, have a pizza, have friends round, I'm going to watch Hell Night, um, or The House on Sorority Row, or Friday Thirteenth Part Two, or something like that. Those are those are popcorn slasher movies for me. Um, and what I love about them, what I think uh, Kevin Williamson and Wes Craven got so right with Scream was that they you know they worked as a slasher movie worked as a chase movie you've got the booze, you've got the the, the boo scares there's the um uh you know the kind of the kills all those kind of things they work um so it's not about it's not about sadism it's not a sadistic slasher movies to me they can be sadistic and i i you know one time watched for me some of those movies but with these they're just like they're kind of roller coaster they're ghost train they're fun fun rides um and uh that's kind of what i have always you know loved about them it's kind of seeing scream in the cinema because actually one of my most formative experiences as a, as a youngster my first um film and you covered this and i say it's one of the one of the podcasts i listened to of yours uh it was nightmare on elm street i saw that at the cinema when that came out uh and um i was from 16 i think at the time so 15 or 16 and a friend of mine's brother or sister was an usher at a local Odeon and they got us in and we weren't obviously meant to be in because it mm-hmm. was uh, probably it was an 18 i think it, actually i think nightmare honestly it was one of the very first movies at that time had gone from the x rating to the 18 rating but we were in there and i always remember being amazed and th- how that worked as a, as a film and one of my abiding memories is always is hearing the um the heads of people hitting the back of their heads on the back wall when Freddie jumped up behind the beds, it was like bang, <laughs> bang, bang, all these people hitting their heads on the back wall. Yeah. Um and I again I was hooked, it was thought, Oh, that's amazing. You know, actually seeing this on the big screen finally, it was incredible. So, um uh I yeah, so it was kind of it's just been an abiding love, really. And like for me now, those kind of slash movies, they're kind of um yeah, you know, I got the I don't know if you, you probably I'm sure you did got the Scream Factory Friday thirteenth box set –
0: i i didn't i i but i i planned to but
1: yeah i had um yeah i've got like a projector set up and um, so i was able to watch friday 13th in th- 3 and 3d because I, it's one i didn't see at the cinema i did see i saw jaws 3d at the cinema i saw amateurville 3 3d at the cinema but those were like um 14 or 15 certificates back then so i could get away with watching those but the friday 13th part 3 I couldn't, and I, seeing that finally in 3D was um, was fantastic. So, again, yeah. I remember
0: of... um, a few years ago, though, I think Channel 4 did like a 3D weekend or something, didn't they? And they showed Friday the 13th, 3 but it didn't quite work, it was with the blue and green or whatever, red and green glasses and it didn't quite work, but me and my brother were very like, oh, at last Friday the 13th 3 of 3D, and a bit like, well, oh, we could have just watched our video of it. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, it's kind of, but these ones work because they were the the, um, the silver screen or the kind of polarised version, so like the new ones, I mean again, it's kind of like this kind of weird, it's, it, it still doesn't work as well, because I remember seeing the 13th part 3 in 3D, and as you remember the, um, have you ever seen that one? The one where, where Jaws dies at the end which of course he dies uh, jaws dies at the end of yeah, it, yeah, every yeah, yeah. movie but the end of that one when the, the shark explodes these terrible uh, animated jaws fly these kind of i don't know bone jaws fly towards the screen and uh i remember seeing it in the cinema and they work so much better in the cinema even than it does on home video yeah. and i always remember people holding reaching up to touch things it was all the people you could see everyone <laughs> yeah. reaching up to touch so so it was always but now the modern 3d movies which is one of the reasons i think they kind of failed is they were so like oh to have stuff coming out the screen at you oh that's just gimmicky and it's like well you're yeah. watching a 3d movie <laughs> yeah. what do you think you're watching you know, I
0: want stuff flying at me yeah. exactly
1: um yeah. so i but I, I again i remember seeing my beloved valentine 3d when that came out in 2009 and when when that was one of the first 3d movies that kind of made a big splash at the cinema and it was actually the Lions Gate. I think it was the, the the cogs, the wheels turning, and it was in 3D. And the whole audience went "Ooh!" like that. And it was kind of <laughs> yeah. so. So that had fun with it. But a lot of the modern movies. Yeah, well, I, well, I was a
0: cinema projectionist when that came out. We got our special 3D projector, and that was the first film we showed in it. And I remember being quite excited about seeing that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> but a lot of them now, it's just all about depth. And you're thinking, what what is mm. the problem? Why not, not? Why not have something yeah. poking in your face? You know, and holding it there, like yeah. Friday the Part Three. Why not have? 3d yo-yos or or whatever i mean they did with the yeah. piranha 3d and 3d 3 double d they did they went oh, yeah. for that they had fun with that but most of them which is i think is why it probably died a bit of a death now because it's uh yeah, you don't really see
0: it much anymore
1: do you the 3d stuff yeah. no no certainly you know not not as much and also course, the 3d tvs they don't produce them anymore do they so yeah. it's only people with projectors or seeing them at the cinema they can watch it in 3d and of course i think it's also people having to pay loads more money to go and some- watch something in 3D, I think people felt a bit ripped off, but uh, yeah
0: Yeah, definitely, yeah, like again I saw some of the few, like the superhero, you know, the Avengers and all that sort of stuff in 3D, and it just it definitely didn't add anything, if anything it was annoying so I had to wear the glasses over my glasses and it just, everything everything was just a bit darker on the screen, it just, yeah, it didn't really add anything to it, you yeah, like you said I want yo-yos and eyeballs being flung at me, and that's what I want in 3D
1: Exactly, that's what, that's what it should be all about So yeah
0: <laughs> Um, well, you chose to talk about Halloween. Yeah, um, we haven't actually covered on the podcast yet. Like I said to you in the uh, beforehand, it's a bit of a, a crime we haven't covered it yet. So I'm glad you chose it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I thought of Halloween. It was kind of I sort of looked through what people have chosen. and I thought, well, actually, I could go really obscure or uh, talk about Halloween because uh, Halloween is such a linchpin in the slasher movie genre. Because I mean, one of the things I did with Hysteria Lives, and when I look more back, it was the kind of the idea of the proto slasher um and uh, this idea that kind of annoyed me in some ways because i love halloween but as i mentioned i saw halloween 2 first so it was strange to go back and watch the original halloween after seeing halloween 2 because halloween 2 is very much a slasher movie of 1981 it's very much whereas halloween itself is kind of is different but it's i mean halloween is for me is one my favorite movie because it's so it's still so scary uh and it's it's kind of literally just a skeleton of a story there's not really much there's no meat on its bones really at all it's just so uh it kind of just glides it's just kind of so beautiful uh so scary so simple and also of course the 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 thing that halloween 2 and the other films kind of ruined a bit was that um there was this idea that uh anyone could be targeted by this psycho because Jamie Lee Curtis's uh, Laurie Strode was this character, you know, she just happened to be, as far as you know, in the in the first film, just happened to be walking mm-hmm. down the street or she caught the eye of Michael Myers. And that was it. He just latched onto her. Um, and I was, there was a, I can't remember, is it Kitty Genovese or there was a, there was a story that I was reading about how uh, John Compton was inspired by the scene at the end where Laurie Strode's banging on people's doors and they're ignoring her um, because they think it's a Halloween prank. And there was a real life case in the sixties in New York City where a woman was stabbed outside her apartment building and the story was that she uh she was murdered by this this man and all the neighbors ignored her. And that wasn't actually true. It was something that was spun um by uh the New York Times article or what there was written on on it. Mm. But that's what inspired it. But it was this 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 idea that this kind of this kind of dead eyed shark of a man, um, this boogeyman would latch onto somebody. And that's what made it so beautifully scary and of course um, it was so beautifully made as well, it's just such an amazing looking film um, and it kind of came out of out of nowhere really but of course it didn't, see that's the thing for me I always think it didn't come out of nowhere because it was inspired by all those other movies from um, uh, The Spiral Staircase, the 1940s movie Psycho obviously, Black Christmas all of those proto-slashers that were developed after Psycho in the 60s and through the early 1970s um, and obviously, you know, Black Christmas is being a, a, a very good example of that. So, and of course, the giallo as well, the the Italian uh, genre. Um, so you had elements of, uh, Mary Mario blood and black lace with the, the faceless mask, all those things that John Carpenter took. And for me, he kind of turned into this perfect diamond of a movie, this shining diamond of a, the perfect horror movie, but it wasn't created in the vacuum. It was created from years and years of watching horror movies, um, and being a fan of those movies and trying to make a good, scary movie. Uh, and so it was fascinating for me to, to map that and then see how that then, um, spiralled onto the slash movie boom of the early 1980s i mean for me it's always surprising i thought in today's things when you got the asylum pumping out um the uh the ripoff the blockbuster that hasn't even come out yet that when halloween came out although it came out in i think late 78 and it was um on re-release through 1979 all the way through the early 80s um and it was a real sleeper a real kind of um uh movie is that it wasn't really ripped off very quickly. Uh, I think you had Silent Scream of Rebecca Balding came out uh in 79. Um but it wasn't really until 19 uh, Friday 13th in 1980 that actually really kicked off slash movie boom. Um and then you had films ripping off Halloween like The Demon, The One with the um the killer with the Freddy gloves which kind of predated um mm. Halloween, but it was just such a perfect movie um and i got the i remember getting the novelization of it uh it was um i reading that and being surprised actually how more explicit it was about how supernatural it was meant to be um and i remember reading about john carpenter and deborah hill saying that uh they wanted to make about the movie about the scariest night of the year and uh the explicitly this boogeyman which you didn't really know whether or not he was a man or a kind of a a phantom um, and I think the the problem with the sequels. I think that Halloween Two as a sequel is fantastic. I love Halloween Two. It's not a great movie. Mm-hmm well it is a great movie but it's not um it's not a patch on the original but it's yeah i think if you
0: watch it as part of the sort of early 80s slasher movie thing it's amazing but as a sequel to halloween not so much but yeah yeah as a good standalone slasher movie it's very good
1: i think yeah i mean again i've got a special place in my heart and like it's so 1981 to me it's just so Mm -hmm. perfectly 1981 it's probably my favorite year for the slasher movie um but uh it, it's it, so it was kind of but the trouble with the sequels like going into the later sequels is that when you um because there's this big argument isn't it is michael myers a man or a monster is he is he real or is he a phantom what is he and all the stuff i think he's in the book about the sam hayne i think it opens up with the sacrifice uh in the um the middle ages or this, the they kind of the pagan sacrifice of sam hayne uh so it was definitely driven even at that point by that, which is something people don 't really talk about because obviously Sam Hain became this kind of uh plot device for the later movies um but i, th- I always thought that, that Michael myers he kind of he was a man that was t- he would became a monster and of course the end mm-hmm. of the movie which wasn 't really set up for a sequel, although I read somewhere Donna Pleasance had said to um uh john carpenter why have you done this ending with this he's not there anymore and he said would you believe halloween 2 whether or not that was true at that point mm-hmm. i don't know john carpenter's a fantastic um filmmaker but he's also a very good businessman as well so i think so, yeah. he probably knew that he but you know he, you know why not why not but of course in 1978 unless you're making smoking the Bandit 2, you're not really thinking about a sequel, mm. you know. For small small mm. horror movies, they weren't really thinking about sequels. I don't think yeah. at that point. So, yeah, um, there's
0: no way they could have predicted how successful Halloween would have been, right? Because that film was
1: huge. It was huge, but it was interesting. I went in mean, reading it when I sort of read, a, did um, uh, looked at it. It was bombed when it first came out. It was kind of uh, it wasn't at all. They added the music that they people started taking seriously. They said it wasn't. They people were saying this just isn't scary. And the music actually worked. And I think quite a few of the original reviews that I found for Halloween were kind of scathing of it. They said it was rubbish. I mean, this is going back to looking at reviews of Black Christmas and they were going, this is so, oh, the idea of an escaped lunatic, so old hat. It's so kind of, you know, it's, oh, it's so dogged." And you're thinking this is 1974, get to 1978. They're saying the same things about Halloween. And I think it's the Village Voice uh, gave it a, a really good review and it just kind of spiralled. It was almost like... Other, other critics started thinking, are we missing something here? And they kind of went back and re-evaluated it. Uh, and I don't know if you've ever heard that, that original recording of an audience watching Halloween. I think it's recorded, recorded ah, maybe yeah. in Times Square or whatever. And it was just like that amazing audience reaction to it uh so it kind of spiraled and of course back then they were it, this was pre vcr and videotapes for the masses so the film was re-released in um through 1979 and it's got bigger and bigger as a uh, as, and of course i don't think it wasn't released um as a wide release it was kind of you know you had kind of word of mouth it was pre-internet but people were halloween is coming to your town you know sort of like mm-hmm. the rollout uh, uh, across america so um so yeah it's kind of fascinating that it's um, and i think john john and debbie hall just clearly didn't think they were making um they knew they're making a good movie but uh you know they thought that this was a movie that would come play for a few weeks and then move mm-hmm. on to the next drive-in and that would be it really but good, a good call, calling yeah. card but not this not this cultural juggernaut that it's become um, yeah. it's uh, you know it's uh, you know if, if I was a betting man then you know you could make made a lot of money on that movie but I don't think anyone would <laughs>
0: yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah well, I mean I think just because it is just such a good film it's just so well made and I mean I'm a big John Carpenter fan um, as you can probably tell from my wall poster wall behind me <laughs> Um <laughs> But it just it's just it's amazing you know I love black Christmas I think black Christmas is amazing and um, obviously I love uh, twitch of the deaf nerve hence the name of this podcast um, but um like there like you said it's just something so perfect about Halloween it takes all those elements and just hits that perfect hits that right wave if that's the right analogy I'm making it's just just yeah so perfect and it's a film I've seen so many times I just watched it again this afternoon before we started recording and it's just I, I still love it every time I see it. I don't think I could get bored of watching Halloween.
1: It's I it's just a perfect movie, you know, perfect horror movie. It's just so um effortlessly well not effortless, it's so amazingly crafted. For a film that was originally going to be called the Babysitter Murders, and yeah. nothing wrong with a movie called the Babysitter Murders, but it's um, it it conjures up kind of um, uh, what to paraphrase what Neve Campbell said in in Scream about you know a film about a big-breasted uh, woman running upstairs when she should be running out the front door. It's kind of that idea. Whereas this, it's um, it's it's fascinating. I mean, I've, it's been interesting to watch how Halloween, uh, how this, how the franchise kind of went on because I know obviously they went on to uh do Halloween three, which I'm a fan of. Um but um like many others that I actually went to see Halloween three again at the cinema when it came out. When was that? Eighty three? I think it must have been I think back then there were double A ratings, which was forty mm-hmm. you had to be fourteen or older to go and see. And um went to see Halloween three and like a funny story. I think I told on the podcast, but I went there with my cousin and uh back in the day if a film wasn't successful they would yank it off they would put something else on instead halfway through the week if a film didn't make get people get bums on seats so we got there and they were showing quest for fire instead the kind of caveman (laughs) movie and we thought well we'll go and watch it anyway and um I I was mortified because we went in and it started, and I was working my way across uh, across the aisle, and I put my hand down and I grabbed this man. Well, I to grabbed what felt like hair, but I put my hand on someone's head, and, and I went to move away, and it was I, li- literally lifted off this man's toupee. <laughs> in the cinema and there's this 14 year old boy i was mortified because i've sat there thinking like bright red thinking what on earth i'd done and I, I screamed as well because it was literally this i uh, this this hair came off of my hands it was yeah i always remember that so i didn't see halloween 3 f- for a number of years until after after that and i remember thinking what on earth this is a robot film about you know exploding masks um sam hayne yeah. stonehenge killer robots what and no, where's michael myers um but of course it's in hindsight it's a fantastic move i love it but um uh and i was working at the cinema i think when um was i working at the cinema no i hadn't no as people i know when i was at the cinema i'd seen like the halloween you know the um, halloween four and five when they came out although i think I'm trying to remember. I think Halloween Four came out the cinema in the UK. I'm not sure if Halloween Five did. Maybe it did, but I know nothing after that did until, of course, Jamie Lee Curtis. You know the recent Halloween uh, sort of movies. But um, but I think the, the challenge has always been like you take something so perfect as Halloween, which is ba- it was kind of a ghost of a script. It's not really. It's kind of um, uh, you know there's you there's nothing there's not nothing really there. But it's very simplistic, and so if you just redo that over and over and over again, you can do that, but um, and part of the joy I always say when we talk on the podcast about films like that's why I, I still adore the Friday 13th movies the first sort of seven or so it's its simplicity it's the kind of repetition it's kind of um, like comfort horror which is kind of a strange thing to say but it's kind of like they you know what to expect um, so but with the Halloween films it kind of felt like they were going off in too many different variations um, uh, you know by the time you got to the Curse of Malcolm Myers it kind of and then of course Buster Rhymes in the uh, you know, you you know, doing oh, yeah, all resurrection, resurrection, yeah. and I even saw that at cinema, and that's before they redubbed him as well, because I think they redubbed him for home video, because even in the cinema he was even worse. It was kind of like he was. They actually had his him speaking behind the mask. It was real like sort of like really muffled, yeah. terrible. <laughs> um, but you still have fun with it. Still have fun with it, although you know, I found, you know, with dragging people along to see these films, but they got less and less enthusiastic about going to some of these movies.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think Halloween Resurrection definitely s- screams of, like, a sort of producer trying to be, like, down with the kids, doesn't it? It's like, we've got to have Busta Rhymes in it, we've got to it's got to be about reality TV and the internet and things like that, isn't it? It's all a bit... Yeah.
1: Mm. <laughs> it's kind of, yeah, it's, I can understand why, you know, I mean, because it's not a, a new thing, I mean, all the way through horror's always done that, it's kind of, especially through the, you know, you go through the 50s, the Atomic Age, Atomic Monsters, um, mm. in the 60s they were ripping off psycho um so, you know even hammer was in on the uh, you know making all these uh, psycho rip-offs um uh, you know so you've got the italian r- rip-offs of films and as glorious as they are you know it's kind of so horror's always been cannibalistic in itself it's always always tried to bounce off um because you know essentially most of them are made for a youth audience aren't they you get some films yeah. like halloween that that um, will uh, cross over into a mainstream audience. And films like Scream, again, will cross over into a mainstream audience. But I guess the majority of horror movies are, um, especially those kind of teen-oriented ones, are made for the audience, which is why in the early 1980s you had these um uh, you know it's fascinating to watch that you see all these uh teenagers going to see facsimiles of themselves being murdered slice and dice and what does that actually <laughs> say about them and say about the culture at the time i I don't, I don't know although it was um i i was looking into the early 1980s when i was writing my book i was kind of trying to work out what it was but it was, it, they were sort of say with horror movies they have they find their moment usually in times of unease Um, political, social unease where things are going wrong and people find um, solace in horror and fantasy Um, and of course the early 1980s were an incredibly violent time and incredibly a time of um, huge upheaval um, socially and politically uh, and I've got the advent, and it, I was, I was found it fascinating, the advent of like the serial killer, not the advent of the serial killer, but the serial killer as a cultural phenomenon, if for if want of a better word, coincided in the, you know, the early 1980s with all of the kind of, you know, the apex serial killing in the United States. So it was, so people were getting away from true life crime and the terrible things happened in the news. Um, you know, there's all the Monda documentary, things like the killing of America that were coming out, um, but going to going to cinema to see you know versions of themselves being beheaded it was kind of it's fascinating but it's kind of it's mm. uh, you know it's very much of its time
0: well, i guess that's horror in general isn't it and all like you said always has been and i guess um it's it's a catharsis isn't it i think watching something especially when it comes to the more violent stuff and it's uh, you know it's uh, i guess it's a way you sort of subconsciously deal with that sort of uh climate
1: I think so. Absolutely. And also, I mean, I'm not, uh, you know, I've never been a violent person. I'm, I've never been in a fight in my life. I'm, you know, I've been vegan 18 years. I'm not, I'm kind of very much a, you know, I'm not a violent person or an angry person, but I love, you know, I love horror movies. And I think it is that the catharsis. is being, being cathartic is definitely part of it. Um, but i also enjoy you know watching sort of older some of the older slash the nostalgia that comes with that also it's kind of something that's not really talked about so much now but like the cheesy nature of some of the older slash movies you know i'm not laughing at them but laughing with them because i know say as i mentioned before about the kind of bugbear of mine and some people are taking sometimes take some kind of cheesy slash movies too seriously and it's not to do not to do mts mts 3k or whatever on them not to do them down but to have fun with these movies because I know for a fact that having spoken to a number of these filmmakers not John Carpenter necessarily but some people who were making the rip-offs of of Halloween and Friday the 13th they were winking at the audience they were having fun with it you know they were very well aware they were making uh you know a rip-off of Friday the 13th and they were sort of throwing you know um jokes at the audience so it's to to have fun with them I just don't I find, um, you know, sometimes when it gets a bit too po-faced, it's not really for me, you know. These are populist yeah. movies, you know. They weren't made, yeah. they can be... And I've got nothing against criticism when people talk about films in a socio-political context or, you know, from gender politics, all those kind of things. So I think it's fascinating to look at that. And, I'm, you know, I'm, I read a lot of that and I think it's fantastic. But, you know, like the Jalo, for instance, um, is was made for a rural audience a raw you know they're mostly made for a raw you know who who hated the jet set and loved seeing them being killed you know so it's kind of it's there's a temptation sometimes i think to take these movies not i don't want to put them down because i'm not trying to put them down but just to enjoy them how they were meant to be enjoyed not necessarily putting them on a pedestal sometimes when um you know obviously halloween i would put on the pedestal because halloween (laughs) is the perfect movie but you know i if i want to watch um uh, I don't know uh, it's, you know Humanoids from the Deep or something like that that wasn't made with a straight face that was made mm. you know that was kind of made as a parody of 1950s monster movies so it's having fun with these movies I think is still it's re- retaining the sense of fun I think is important when watching watching horror for me anyway
0: yeah definitely I, yeah, I couldn't agree more with that I think especially with like the slasher movie because it was it sort of seemed to burn so brightly for like two or three years there were so many films being made and then later on, so even by the time uh, Nightmare on Elm Street came out, the slashers were sort of an old hat, really, weren't they? It was already like cliched. And I think that's one of the reasons why Nightmare on Elm Street works is because it subverts it, doesn't it? It's sort of like it's a different spin on that genre that people have seen so much already just in the two or three years. It's, um, it,
1: yeah, It's I think it was, it was for me when I was looking into it, I, I always presumed that, like, say 1981 was this massive year for the slasher movie. And in fact, Even when a film like Terror Train came out in 1979, um, uh, 20th Century Fox said, oh, it's a box office disappointment. We thought it would make 40 million, like Friday the 13th. And everything, they they thought they would make all these huge amounts of money. So what actually happened was that a lot of the films that we know and love today, like The Burning, um, My Bloody Valentine, um, Not So Much Happy Birthday to Me, that was one of the biggest successes, were actually box office flops in 1981 uh and Halloween 2 was the biggest slash movie of that year because it had that kind of name appeal but um there was just there was in it was there was a glut of slash movies came out and as much as we love them it's kind of at the time it you have a, a certain number of an audience certain percentage and if you have too many movies you're going to get fewer people going to them and so mm. so it was a victim of its own success but actually the slash movie the golden age of slash movie probably was Ninety was well, the end. turn nineteen seventy nine to nineteen eighty, uh, and beginning of nineteen eighty one, and they tailed off pretty quickly. Uh, and but but they still made them, and they're still doing them because slasher movies. To paraphrase Roger Corman, he said um, to somebody, "When how what I want to break into movies? What what's the best thing to do?" He said, "Get a group of attractive teenagers, take them to a, an abandoned house, and kill them off one by one." it's It's cheap, effective, you can sell it easily, and so that's what the slash movie is in in, in essence um so people are still making them because they could still turn a profit because you didn't need big stars. you know, had these blow to great Hollywood epics and you know um movies where you'd have to half the budget would go on stars whereas what you would do do a go get a casting call, get a thousand attractive twenty five year olds playing seventeen year olds and you know sort of audition and then you can make a movie pretty cheaply because i think friday 13th was made for something like i think it's only five hundred thousand dollars or something and i think halloween was what yeah. three hundred twenty thousand. it would have pretty pretty i might be wrong on those numbers but they're pretty cheap to make um and i think halloween went on to make something like 78 million dollars didn't it or some, something like that it was kind of yeah. it was a huge amount of money and friday 13th 40 million so you're you're getting almost um well in the case of uh friday 13th like 80 times your budget back you know so you can see how how attractive that would have been to people Mm -hmm. when you're thinking well we're not gonna we're not gonna be making a biblical epic on five hundred thousand dollars but uh you know so um but uh but films like my valentine say they they did they did um you know they they flopped for people like paramount because they they're all after that that slice of the slash movie pie um and it's not to down i mean i love my Berlin valentine it's one of my favorite movies and happy birthday to me is kind of is it's such a fun movie um and again i think it. sometimes i kind of i, I ju- not judge people but i think if i showed them at the end of friday um happy birthday to me if they groan or laugh i kind of know what kind of person they are because it's such a <laughs> so ridiculous and so over the top it's yeah, like yeah. scooby-doo and that's what i love is scooby-doo nature um yeah. i grew up watching scooby-doo and that's kind of what i want in my 80s slasher movie: some someone pulling off a, a pantyhose or someone's face at the end and go it's you <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah it was like the friday the first Eve thing where you see um jason or the killer's hand so it's not jason is it the first one and it's all like a hairy man's hand and then at the end it's uh it's it's pamela who's the killer well it's <laughs> you know?
1: yeah i know that was um <laughs> i i think even back then watch i still remember actually the day watching that with some friends and uh And I think even then we were thinking, "Mm, yeah, that's it's. You have the killer turn up in the last, you know, because I think Betsy Palmer did that movie because they promised to buy she could buy a new car with the with the money. She thought no one's ever going to see this shit. Yeah, that's what she said, and then like
0: (laughs) I think she's been and I think she's been quite like um supportive of it like over over the years, though, was not she? I know she did get quite a lot of stick for doing it. Um,
1: she got a massive amount of stick for doing it because um, I think it's Siskel and Ebert, the American critics, they published her home address, didn't they? And told people to write to her to tell her and to Paramount for daring to do this. I actually watched, I watched uh, because I hadn't seen many Betsy Bar movies, and I watched this old one, I think it's called. I'm trying to remember what it's called now. It was um, it was this old Joan Crawford movie from the 1950s and Betsy Palmer's Southern Gothic movie. And Betsy Palmer was in there playing this kind of quite sweet character. And I just think, of course, she was like, that was the other thing, because without the context, she was like an American sweetheart, wasn't she? She was mm. this kind of... Um, so actually having her as a killer was uh, very unusual because I imagine if people didn't know, if Betsy Palmer turned up, she was on all like Hollywood squares and all these kind of things back in the day uh and uh she would have turned up and the audience would have gone oh it's oh it's betsy palmer and then she sort of she pulls out the knife um so yeah it was kind yeah, of yeah. thing and I, again with friday 13th i remember seeing that um i lived in brighton for a number of years and there was a cinema there duke york's and they showed friday 13th and this is going back probably i reckon almost 20 years ago and people were laughing at it and um and i remember seeing the re-releases of the exorcist and text Change the massacre and people were laughing at those they were laughing at this until the killing started and then people shut up because it's still viscerally quite a nasty movie um and watching friday the 13th the original time and just going how on earth they did did they do that with kevin bacon's death you know how on earth did they do mm. these things um and that's why of course i i um consumed and gore zone those magazines when i was growing up as well i was kind of fascinated by that but again i've kind of grown you know i love a good gore movie um as long as it's fun uh these days but um yeah it's definitely uh you know it was kind of my bedroom reading for like you know as a teenager it was kind of uh sort of tom savini um you know sort of all those kind of movies all those kind of magazines trying to work out how they did the gory special effects
0: yeah, it was always my dream job when I was a kid to do special effects. So I'd still kill if there was a chance for me to go and do special effects for the films. I'd do it. I haven't got any talent to do it, but <laughs> yeah, that's my dream. Well, what I love about watching older films, and not necessarily just horror films, but older like special effects movies, is like it's like we're trying to think how they did it. Like you said, how they did the Kevin Bacon getting killed in front of the 13th. Like just trying to fathom how you do it. But now, when you watch like you know the Avengers or whatever, you just think, oh, they have probably just done it on a computer, which they have. You know, there's. Get rid of that like
1: exciting mystery from it. Yeah, it's it's funny. I mean, we talked about it on the podcast sometimes when we kind of review or talk about new old movies come out on Blu-ray. And one of the ones we we quite often mention is The Evil Dead. And like seeing The Evil Dead originally on VHS back in the day on a bootleg VHS, um, and very it used to be like the joy of watching nth generation VHS dubs. So stuff that you'd be like when we saw. I think we saw E.T. on a um, VHS back in the early 80s and it was kind of like you were literally going what is that thing is that a person moving in the static is is that et what's going on (laughs) but um um yeah in evil dead we're sort of saying that watching on the Next generation it looked looked quite convincing but actually seeing the blu-ray you can see the person's sleeves the arms under the the, the, the gloves of the the ghoul hands yeah. it adds a charm to it but it also um it was actually watching friday the 13th from films on vhs where it, it was wasn't dvd or blu-ray or 4k sharp there added a sense uh, an extra sense of um reality i kind of guess to it not reality but sort of it, it felt more real, bizarrely, for something that was less mm. high definition. Um,
0: yeah, yeah. I suppose it makes it also it gave me like a lot of the films I used to watch. Again, you mentioned like Cannibal Ferox and things. Watching a film like that on a sort of degraded VHS always felt a bit like, oh, this is something I shouldn't be watching. This is like bad. <laughs> they gave it like an air of like grim, grimy, grimness
1: it's absolutely i can it's another two other films i remember watching one was blair witch project on um someone sent me a copy of the uh, sundance festival cut on vhs before it came out in the uk and so we watched it and that again watching that on vhs and um and also the ring the original the japanese film the ring we watched that i got sent a copy of that um uh before it came out on vhs and we watched that and it has that had that extra sense of like, I don't know, not exactly danger, but um, it felt genuinely, I know, it's genuinely frightening, I kind of guess, you know, watching it in that kind of context. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, it's, I sometimes kind of miss those days because it's great to see these amazing Blu ray presentations of films. Um, and I'm not going to go back, you know, I sold my VHS connection. I'm not going to go back and watch terrible. Uh, dubs of films I thought one of the worst um dubs I ever saw was Jess Franco's I think it's um Oasis of Zombies and uh, I told this story on the podcast well I'll just mention it very quickly here we went to went to New York in 1999 and 2001 and this is back in the time where they still had the video stores No selling or you could buy the, um, loads of videos so I, I actually dragged a massive bag full of videos back um through Heathrow when I came back but we were on Christopher Street in New York and there was all these horror movies in this window and thinking oh wow okay i went over and i saw so it's christmas eve or oh, so this is a zombie so i went inside and i was picking them up and this guy behind the counter is giving me evils and i'm thinking why why is he looking at me like this um and i looked behind him and there was all these dildos and things in the background and it was basically it was a porn shop it was a porno shop but there was a rule in new york city at the time that you couldn't have you had to have a, a kind of fake facade mm-hmm. Um, so you couldn't have like sex toys and stuff in the window. So they got all these videotapes. So I was buying their their dummy <laughs> stock. <laughs> and so he wasn't that best pleased. And when I got home, they were all recording on something called EP mode. I don't know if you ever saw that, NTSC EP mode, mm. which every it felt like the videocassette felt like as light as a feather because there was literally about four centimetres of videotape in there because it was recorded on the worst possible quality. <laughs> yeah. So it was so aces of zombies. It just looked like someone drawn it in pastel. Um, and it was so <laughs> smudged. And I remember Christmas Evil was like that as well. It's terrible. So I wouldn't want to go back to those days. But I, I am nostalgic for um, going down to video shops and smelling the the video shop, smelling the plastic and dust and whatever else the cigarettes yeah. are being smoked. And it's so something about some the,
0: nostal- the clunkiness, pressing play, like the yes. and the rewinding. Something about that I really miss. It's a yeah. terrible format, VHS. But it's uh,
1: well, terrible, especially also that kind of that, the horror of it. Suddenly the screen stopping and you are hearing the. <laughs> Yeah. And like suddenly it kind of spits out, like something like the David Cronenberg movie, it suddenly spits <laughs> yeah, out the guts yeah. of the inside of the videotape. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> no, it was something like, again, I guess going to a video shop or something, you know, there used to be Steve's Video was my local one. We used to go there and they had, I remember them having like pre-cert stuff that was banned. And again, this must have been the sort of mid-90s. And they had yeah. stuff that was like you know like texas chainsaw massacre i remember them having that when they weren't supposed to i don't know how they got away with it they never let us rent him though sadly as much as we tried they well rent. i used
1: to go down there was one that i used to go down before i was 18 and um uh they had things like uh, rats night of terror or actually i think it was the, the deadly eyes maybe it was deadly eyes the one with the the infamously they had the dash hounds dressed as rats sort of they that's how they got <laughs> yeah. them running around because they and um i remember going to rent it and this uh, someone said this isn't you can't rent this this is an 18 i went oh is it and i got away with it up to that point but i used to used to bunk off school um uh, and watch you know i, I very um strong memories of watching something it's american wealth in london um one of our favorites we used to rent was superstition the do you remember superstition the one about the um it's the one with the uh the haunt the house with the killer witch Where the man gets no, I've not
0: seen that.
1: Ah, you should watch that. It's a it's a great early '80s horror movie. There's um there's a scene in it where um somebody gets decapitated and their head gets put in the microwave and explodes in the microwave. And there's a killer witch who's basically like a slasher going around this house, kind of um uh sort of well, kind of um there's a scene where she kind of um uh pins a teenage girl to the ground and hammers spikes into her head. Um, and um cut someone in half in a in a window it 's all very gory, and uh, there 's a bit where a priest gets buzz swords So perfect early eighties <laughs> yeah. sort of horror yeah, movie yeah. really and it 's yeah, one of my yeah, favorites away, to
0: be fair,
1: yeah yeah it 's very low totally budget rough. but it 's kind of um <laughs> it was it was just there was one I used to watch when I was about thirteen, and we used to always rent that from from uh, the the local video they used to let 's watch those and all the other ones I, in some ways i 'm kind of glad i didn 't sit down and watch gestapo 's last orgy or. Or the beast in heat when I was thirteen. I think there might have been a bit much, to be honest. So um yeah, um, you know. <laughs>
0: yeah, that sort of stuff never really appealed. I've seen a few of them now, like, you know, when I was like a teenager, like I said, you want to get into you want to I want to see the most extreme thing I can, I wanna you know, so I sort of and again now it's like yeah, it's yeah. Okay, it's <laughs> I get it, but, but it's not for me. me. <laughs> no, 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 absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I miss also boot fairs. My having an older brother that was really into horror films. It was always very handy because he used to go to boot fairs with mates and just bring back bags of horror movie videos. I remember like um, Intruder was the one that we used to watch all the time. Intruder, the uh, Scott Spiegel like quite a later slasher movie, isn't it? When when was that? 80... 89? 80, quite late.
1: Eighty. Yeah, it was late eighties, wasn't it? I mean, yeah. that was kind of... I remember because there was a f- famous cover of Gorzo magazine, which was a spin-off Vangoria, and it had the the front uh, was of the guy with his head being cut in half sideways, all the blood oh, yeah, going yeah. up everywhere. Um, and that got released in the UK because I used to go in Brighton, there used to be a shop I used to go to that had videos, it was like a video shop, secondhand videos, and they had at the back the pre-cert section and they had under-the-counter movies, the ones that had been banned, which would go for huge amounts of money. I mean, it would be films like they would kind of pull out and go, would you like to see Night of the Seagulls? The kind of The Blind Dead the movie, um, which inexplicitly got banned because I think it was the least gory of all of them. Uh, and, um, but going to the boot fairs, I loved going to and finding, um, you know, you'd suddenly see a preset and thing, oh let's have a look at that and then sort of you know so i i I had um a big video collection i collected quite a lot of the old um the video nasties but not not that i didn't spend huge amounts of money on things like beast in heat because i wasn't that interested in them but they um i had probably about 500 videos i sold most of them now because i've moved moved abroad but uh the nostalgia of it was 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 great but the boot phase yeah it was always what am i going to find and i did find there was one time i remember finding there was um uh, there were cannibal movies, and I hated cannibal movies because, like the, the the animal stuff in them. But somebody just had them on a the blanket for fifty p. There was like um, all these preset cannibal movies, and I sold them for quite a lot of money. So,
0: yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I saw someone I've, I have a, someone I know on Instagram was selling loads of preset videos recently, and uh, again, part of me was slightly tempted, but I thought no, I can't justify spending seventy five pound on Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Four like format
1: i can't watch <laughs> well exactly yeah i've kept i've kept four um ones and one of them's halloween 2 the original preset of halloween 2 i've kept mm, that yeah. so just you know you know it's always just to have a little bit there at the end of the shelf next to all the blu-rays <laughs> yeah <laughs> um
0: i feel like we need to talk about when we're talking about halloween i feel like mm. we need to talk about the elephant in the room which is the rob zombie halloween um. yes What's your, I, feel, I know I know your opinions of the of those yeah. the podcast about it, but uh, where, where do you think it went wrong? What's the like the well, many problems with that well, film? I was, What do
1: you think was that... It was uh, funny enough, I was in I was it sounds really jet-setting, but it, was, it happened to be in holiday on holiday in Los Angeles in and um staying uh, behind the the uh, the Grammans Chinese theatre in when rob zombies halloween came out the premiere was at the chinese theater and i was thinking god really can we get tickets that'd be amazing we couldn't and i thought and i thought thank god i didn't get tickets for it because at the time i had no idea i think see rob zombie is kind of i i remember watching house of a thousand corpses and hating it and thinking this just this isn't for me it's the first time i felt like an old man even though it came out what 20 years ago 15 years ago, whatever. And I just thought, I don't understand this. It's like it's somebody's taken all these references um, to grindhouse movies and horror movies, but doesn't really understand them. Because there's the thing, when people watch um, early 70s or uh, 80s horror movies, it's not end-to-end, non-stop mayhem all the way through it. There's all there's there's periods of choir and reflection and horror dread whatever it is sex kind of comedy whatever it is going through, it's not this end it's not this non-stop kind of almost like MTV kind of um, fast cut mayhem all the way through, and I found that with House of the Thousand Corpses I kind of likened to it to like a kid being let loose in a in um, a sweet shop and then getting a, a sugar rush and not being able to control, control themselves, and I thought with Halloween I thought it was an interesting um approach because i don't think i i'm not i don't believe that anything is completely sacrosanct in so much that i kind of i agree with someone like nick cave um nick cave in the bad seas when he did a cover version album he said that the whole idea was to get inside a, a song and destroy it from the inside out that's the best way to do a cover version and i th- kind of, so i can i can applaud Rob Zombie if you're doing something different but the problem was he took something so so classy so elegant and so scary and simplistic and with peopled by characters you cared about and with a genuinely frightening person who seemed uh, uh, you know like ghostly he wasn't really he was a boogeyman he was the the shadow in the night and then you turn it into this kind of trailer trash kind of soap opera of swearing and having no likable characters everyone is despicable And it's shrill. It's just like, fuck, fuck, fuck this, fuck that, fuck you, fuck your head, fuck, you know, skull, fuck you, blah, 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 all the way through it. And it's just like Michael Myers turns into a WWE wrestler or whatever. It kind of, it just ruined it. I just couldn't understand it. And I understand that people, it has its fans and especially younger people at the time who watched it um they they still people it's still they still has fans of those movies and they find the old halloween movies boring and that's fine that's mm. that's for them but for me i just couldn't stand them i just didn't um and it felt and i appreciate i do applaud him for doing something different i think if you've done a xerox remake of it and you could argue really the the more recent halloween with jamie Lee curtis come back was kind of a kind of xerox Um, of that feel and to me I actually appreciate that more because it was more my aesthetic but um, yeah the Rob Zombie versions I haven't, I've never, i just his films just aren't for me Um, and uh, you know and I just felt that it it would have been it's a shame he couldn't have done his own original slasher series where he did something and did all that trailer trash swearing each other, horrible characters No, you know, it almost for me actually I felt like with Rob Zombie I actually did wonder whether or not he actually liked doing those films, or he actually hated um, his own audience, it's kind of I don't know, mm. I don't know what. what, what
0: yeah, it's yeah. Does this seem very mean spirited? I think his two yeah. Halloween films. Uh, well, his films in general, like you said, that's all very just no. Like again, there's no characters that I like in any of them, and uh, they're yeah. just very. I don't know, just. Yeah, not just mean-spirited they just don't seem they're not
1: pleasant to watch right, i don't think no i kind of um i mean funnily enough he's vegan as well so it's kind of like i don't know what his, <laughs> what his mindset was with those with those movies and i wonder if he got trapped into making them and he kind of i i, I don't know i'm not trapped but he can kind attract of by his own image i don't know what it was um you know i'd love to see him going and making a i don't know a story about ballet dancers or something something just doing something completely different to try something but he's probably mm-hmm. it's trapped by his own his own self image with them but um yeah I kind of I, you know we had fun we did a drunk our drunk cast on them and so we had we got drunk and watched them uh, we talked about them after consuming numerous amounts of drinks, and that was the way to get through them but um I, yeah. I remember I saw the first one on on DVD and I started watching the second one and I realised when we did Drunk cards, I hadn't finished the second one. I think I turned it off. I just thought, I can't watch this. It's just too shrill. It's kind of, it's, yeah. yeah. But it has its fans and so if you love those movies then, you know, good for you. But it's, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think, like you said, it would have been nicer to see him do something original rather than do Halloween. I think Halloween is so, it sort of, it seems like the opposite of Halloween, his version of it. You know, Halloween is such a, it's a subtle film you know it's about atmosphere and and it's just so well made and the characters are likeable one of the things that really sticks out about halloween is that you actually care about those characters you know pj souls and all the 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 babysitters in it You, you like them you don't want to see them die
1: no, absolutely. And I think one of the bugbears that we talk about in the podcast quite often is that with modern movies, they, there was this kind of vogue for having characters that you hated. I mean, say the Friday the 13th remake from 2009. I didn't hate the characters, but none of them were particularly likeable, really. There was kind of... The majority of them are likeable. When you look back at the old Slash movies, you do get the stereotypes, you get the jock, you get the the bitchy girl, you get the you know whatever but they 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 tend to have redeemable characters to, characteristics and they're not they're not this kind of like shrill kind of unlikable sarcastic characters that you see kind of populating a lot of modern uh horror movies, especially with young people in them yeah. so so and I think it's kind of to actually make the irony is to make a good horror movie, especially a slasher movie you want kills but you want to feel something about the, the people who've been killed i mean, it's a, uh, ultimate irony really you want you actually want characters you care about before you see them die um yeah
0: uh,
1: so but a film like i think that worked did that really well was some of the more, more other modern films like the final girls you know that was the, if you that was a film with heart and actually although yeah. it's very much an 80s throwback um in a good way it had a it had a it had a heart to it without being cloyingly, and it was funny as well. But the characters yeah. were felt re- re- relatable, and I think that that was good because most of those early eighties um, horror movies, like say for instance, you know, Halloween. I don't. I probably wouldn't want to hang around with teenage girls or talking about boys and homework. <laughs> it probably wouldn't be my scene, but the in say friday the 13th when they're having fun they're smoking pot playing strip monopoly you know they're having fun you know that's kind of they're, they're all kind of nice enough characters in it and and relatable but um which again it's almost like rob zombies almost seemed like he was parodying those kind of ultra unlikable making his um laurie strode this kind of whiny neurotic kind of um unsympathetic character and then you know you've got the other the other all the other sympathetic characters in the in the rest of the movie have just been turned around into into spiteful caricatures it's i don't i don't Mm. understand what what the mentality is behind that it just doesn't work for me um you know i think to horror is a human emotion um but also horror movies to work you have to have other things going on in them you have to have good scripts likable characters Relatable characters, and um, you know, it's you know those. Uh, so it's sometimes uh, you know, and I'm not, and I you know, am not these people to only watch his old horror movies. I kind of watch a lot of new movies as well, not just horror. I do watch lots of different types of movies, um, and I'm always on the lookout for that frisson of scares or or something that kind of gets you kind of going in a, like a comedic sense or whatever it is, something that you know um, uh, kind of you know works for me. Um, but yeah, those. the the kind of torture porn stuff that was around the time um probably a little bit before the Rob zombie films but like the hostels and those kind of movies i didn't i didn't care for those particularly either you know it seemed very
0: i was nice when i worked at a cinema when they were big especially the saw films they were like really big when they would come out when i worked at a cinema and again i've never i think i've only ever seen the first saw film the others haven't really appealed to me I quite I quite like Hostel Two. I think Hostel Two's got enough like as a enough little references to like Italian films that for me to enjoy, but I like yeah, I, I it's not one I would revisit very often, to be fair, those Hostel films. But um Yeah, again, like I said, mean spirited and I always think if, if a horror film, especially if it's full of killing and gore, it's either gotta be so over the top and funny, or it's gotta have a point, it's gotta be saying something. Um and I don't think those films generally do, it just seems like there's some characters and here's horrible things happening to them. And I don't particularly want to watch that. I'd rather see something so silly that it's like, I can laugh and watch it with my mates or it's at least making a point. But yeah. I, yeah.
1: I think it's kind of, sometimes it's for me also, it's if I see those films where they've got, I really likeable characters and it's, um it almost feel, feels like the filmmakers are taking a piss out of their own audience. They actually mm-hmm. don't like their own audience. They're kind of, they're, dismissing them and i don't i kind of feel like you least want your director to be along for the ride and doing a film i'm not i'm not naive enough to think that um a lot of my favorite horror movies have not been made by people who probably wanted to go off and do different things i don't think john carpenter for instance for halloween was i know he was a horror movie fan but that um probably sci-fi was probably more where his interests lay weren't they really i mean halloween for him was um was a gig a hired gig wasn't it really i mean he was hired to develop that movie um from an from an idea by the the producer so um uh but then on the other hand they say sometimes that um the the worst movies are made by fans of those movies yeah sometimes so it's kind of somewhere in the middle i think um Mm. but uh yeah it's yeah it's It'd be interesting to see i mean we've got like the new the new halloween movies i mean what did you think of the halloween remake well not remake the sequel yeah the sort of sequel Sequel, yeah
0: yeah. there's the confusing timeline of all the halloween films yeah Yeah. i um i i really liked it actually i thought it was really good um it's you could tell it was made by people that loved the original halloween and the whole series was it full it had little bits in it that were um like references to the all the films, um, but I thought the music in it was amazing. I thought the music in it was the best thing about it. Um, yeah.
1: I, th- I think I, I agree. I mean, I enjoyed it, and I saw I saw that in the cinema in Spanish because because uh, I'm living in Spain at the moment, so it was it was fairly easy to follow. And actually, funnily enough, actually because then it was because um, American-American films, people speak slower than they do in Spanish films. So when they dub them into Spanish, they have to speak slowly in Spanish because they're matching the lips, so it's easier to understand. But um, I do... I kind of... Part of me does feel a bit... It's a shame that Laurie Strode's character, I thought... I... You know, I wasn't sure that if they went the best direction with her character because Mm -hmm. um, she was... And I can understand, obviously, what they're going with, the PTSD and all of that kind of thing. But I kind of... She seemed so grim as a character yeah. as in like not grim as in but so you know her life had been ruined that what you're essentially still watching a popcorn movie Halloween is a popcorn movie it's not meant to be a, it's not a diatribe on the realities of PTSD so i kind of potentially would have preferred laurie strode to have a maybe of just a been not just a bean but to be someone who was living her normal life and then it was interrupted yeah. by Michael Myers. perhaps I, I don't know i don't know it'd be interesting to see how they obviously with with covid um we would have already had the second the second and the trilogy coming out and um, they've been delayed i think it's been is it been delayed to october this year
0: I think, I think it is. Yeah, I think it's yeah. Halloween Kills, isn't it? I think that's coming out this year now, and then Halloween ends. I think that yeah. one be next year, I assume.
1: And whether or not Halloween, I don't know if they're actually,
0: filming them back to back or whatever.
1: Yeah, I think they've they've all been filmed, haven't they? So all in the can. Yeah. But whether or not Halloween actually ends, I don't know. I mean, I've always yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I've always wondered why they haven't done. I know they've, there's a big court bat- battle going on with the uh, the rights to Friday the Thirteenth, uh, which is why there hasn't been a movie for over 11 years. But you're thinking actually. You could you could have had a hundred Friday Thirteenth sequels by now if you just had people to, you know going uh, go to the woods and killing teenagers. It's the easiest thing in the world to do, presumably. But uh, um, yeah, I
0: mean, after this Halloween film came out and was pretty successful, I was sort of waiting for all the mm-hmm. other you know there to be a new Friday the Thirteenth, a new Nightmare on Elm Street, a new yeah. whatever. And you know all these films. Um, obviously, I imagine there's been big delays because of COVID and stuff. But um, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if there was going to be, or even if, well, there was a, a, a remake of Black Christmas, a second remake of Black Christmas that came out that was one of the weirdest films I've ever seen. That was, have you seen? That?
1: I have, yeah. Without spoiling it, it was kind of a. It reminded me of like a seventies TV movie, as in like, but one of the more fantastical ones, where they kind of the initiation yeah. of Sarah or something like that, where. <clears throat> And I didn't quite understand why they bothered with the Black Christmas title. They could have easily made it, called it something like, I don't know, whatever, but not not a remake of Black Christmas. It seemed a strange mm. choice, really. And I think it would have probably been better received if it had been released yeah. as a... Because um, I think it had interesting things to say. Although, uh, actually, the morality of it is quite dubious when I was watching it. I was, without spoiling it, I thought, actually, when you look at it, it doesn't really hold up what they're trying to say. But it's... Um, but I, you know, I was, I was reading today about they've, um, they're doing a, a TV series of Slumper Party Massacre is the, they're doing, really? a, yeah, there's going to be a news that's TV coming up. They've series, just fil- finished yeah. filming in South Africa, apparently. Um, so I think with the kind of teen slasher movie or the slasher movie, it's kind of just like horror movies in general. It's the, it's the genre that doesn't, won't die. You know, it's kind of, it keeps mm. go it, it keeps being reinvented for a new audience because, um you know, horror as a genre, because it's always been seen as a stepchild. Cause I think, I mean, when you look at the amount of horror movies that won an Oscar, there's very few, isn't there? It's still, there's still that massive snobbery around horror movies and about, um, uh, you know, sort of seen as, a, as the evil stepchild and the slasher movies of the early eighties were, um, uh, you know, female uh, women who were in the movies were criticized of they, they sometimes said that people were saying, critics were saying this is one step or one step, step above or one step below hardcore pornography. You know, because they, they had, um, at the time, um, people had being critical of them from, from a feminist point of view, from a moralistic point of view, from about promoting violence, all these kind of things going on at the time. Um, so it's, um, yeah, I mean, the genre, I think it's, it's, it's just kind of, it, it will keep reinventing itself, and there will always be people with interesting things to say. And that's why I always give new horror movies a chance. You know, there's... Um, you know, I have I never, although I did watch, I watched it yesterday, that one on Netflix was um, uh, something, the one about, well, was it As So Below? Um, so it was the one uh, about...
0: As above, So Below, is that it? No, it okay, it's not um, that
1: one. It's, I know that that one's uh, the one set in Paris. So yeah. no, it's this one about a, a, a girl that goes back to uh, visit her mother and her mother's got a new boyfriend who seems to walk into the lake and walk her back out. And she's, it's like the stepfather with fish um so oh. it was kind of a bit of a strange movie but it's kind of yeah i've not heard of that one yeah it's just out on netflix it's one of those bit of a head scratcher but it's you know always on the lookout for good horror movies and also of course i mean it's still finding uh discovering old gems i mean i got um uh, uh, the uh, Mondo Macabro uh, release of the killer adult, the doll killer or killer of dolls which was like a, a 1975 Spanish Jalo proto slasher about um, a killer in a doll mask who kind of hacks up teenagers in a park uh, which was com- remarkable complete, almost like an art house movie it's completely insane but I hadn't heard of it until um, mm. this year Uh, so there's still all those films out there to discover as well, and that's the the other joy of it, it's kind of being a genre fan, keep going back and finding new films, rediscovering, watching older films with a new appreciation as well, which is why I keep on doing, you know, with the podcast, we go back and uh, we, we choose a movie each time, um, uh, as in, like each, each, um, every couple of weeks, we have a choice to choose movies. So sometimes, like Nathan chooses the movies I would never watch in a million years. You know, some of these kind of homegrown, Alabama or Tennessee kind of, um, yeah. you know, sort of movies that I've kind of stayed away from. Um, and but I have fun with them, you know. And so it's, you know, there's always it, that again. There's good, good and bad horror movies coming out. It's good and bad movies. You know, there's always been that. But there's so many movies still to to discover. Yeah. You know, and that's the joy of it
0: yeah definitely and i think that's the, the one of the great things about your podcast is that it's um you've just so many different like types of films and films i've never even heard of but again particularly the nathan ones you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i've not got round to watching many of them ones but it's no. definitely a great just, just to go through and just you know listen to you guys talking about it and then because i think because you've got such a love for the genre as well like you said you're not you're not laughing at the films you're or maybe laughing with them sometimes and but you obviously all, all four of you got such a love for the yeah. genre it's enthusiastic when you listen to it and i want to go and check out as many of those films as i can you know that's a great thing about it
1: well that's the thing is i think it is that are when we talk about the films they come from a place of love and genuine affection we do love we are fans of the genre but we're not sitting around stroking our chins for uh, an hour and a half you know that's the difference and and it's i say again it's nothing against people who do that um But I have, I have seen, you know, sometimes I've seen some films that I've, I scratch my head sometimes thinking people are talking about uh, some films and I'm thinking, but that's a terrible movie. Why on earth are people (laughs) spending so much time? I can understand (laughs) having fun with it, but it's, you know, sort of go, uh, so it's, yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting to look at. Having said it, when I wrote my book, I mean, I was looking at the, say, the socio-political and economic and all those kind of things at the time of the early 80s and how, um, and fascinating, looking at the uh, the evolution of the slash movie, um, uh, you know how you've always had that kind of cat and mouse thing, even back from the, uh, the early theatre, all the way through the old dark house movies. There's always been this thread of this kind of um, kind of agophys- Well, not always, but you know, you know, uh, ten little Indians, the idea of getting a group of people together and killing them off one by one and having a mystery. Uh, it kind of underpins a lot of the best slash movies and the Jali as well and all these the, the crim, crimmy movies from Germany. So uh, there's always there's always going to be mileage in that. Funny enough actually watched the, for the first time ever watched The Mousetrap. Have you ever seen The Mousetrap? no the have christy the the play it was actually on youtube so and it's one of this and it actually has a killer twist in it which i won't spoil for anyone but mm-hmm. if it's on youtube if you want to watch it because i never saw it at the, the the theater because i think it ran for like i don't know 40 years or something didn't it mm. but uh but yeah so there's always going to be that i think those kind of um there's always going to be room and mileage in those kind of movies um so uh but yeah, so I'd never see the genre dying, and I think it's going to be, you know, I think in a hundred years' time, you're still going to be still having Michael Myers popping up periodically, and yes. Jason Voorhees, aren't you? It's going to, they're going to be the new Frankenstein, or they are the mm. Frankenstein monster, Dracula, uh, you know, werewolf, they are the, the, you know, the modern monsters. And it amazes me still that there is still such an interest in those kind of 80s horror movies, you know, because you had, like, the love letter from things like Stranger Things, didn't you? You have They still have this kind of love for um 80s but from people that weren't even born in the 80s which is kind of interesting and it's kind of um it's it's an it's an interesting time i mean it's always you know um i was discussing with some friends the other day about how um the uh there's a podcast dedicated to friends sitcom going on about how problematic it is mm. the whole thing about fat jokes and all the kind of things and saying from a modern audience, I'm thinking, my God, what, what would they make of, I don't know sort of, <laughs> you know, some of these movies that yeah. we've watched, I, I don't know. It's, um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting, but, uh, you know, I, um, also I think it's great. There's a lot of, um, uh, we've got, there's a lot of uh, people I know that are female writers and uh, critics that are really into these movies and there's, there's misconception that it was only men that liked these movies but when I was doing research it found that it was actually 50% or over 50% of the people watching the movies in the early 80s at the cinema in America were female it was, so it's not this, this idea that it was just this male teenage audience of these movies and it's always been much more um, uh, you know, evenly split between the sexes so <laughs>
0: Yeah, Um, when I worked at a cinema, I was, um, again, when a big horror film came out, and at the time it was, like, you saw quite violent, brutal films, mm. and again, I was under the misconception, oh, it's going to be a load of people that look like me going to see them, Mm. you know, men, but when they came out, it was just massive groups of girls, teenage girls, Mm. huge, we'd go in big groups to see these very brutal films, and it definitely made me rethink what I thought about, like, the typical horror fan. Yeah. Um, yeah
1: well it's like in in japan i mean the um the horror movies are driven by female audiences i mean the the audience for um a on the grudge and the ring they're all they're all teenage girls not all of them, but they were driven by a, a female audience so um it's great to see that in certainly in genre criticism in the last five ten years is that that's that 's definitely that voice is being heard a lot more um so uh, it's it's sort of being reevaluated um so but yeah so it's always interesting times but uh and of course you know where would we without the final girl you know jamie D. Exactly. curtis yeah so, yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean yeah jamie lee curtis is fantastic in halloween she's so good and and the sort of the well, wait, all the other sort of slasher movies she was in afterwards like i love terror train i think she's really good in that
1: yeah it's I interesting think
0: she's obviously in it just to give it a halloween link isn't she really but yeah. I think she's really good in it i think she really stands out
1: well i always thought it's funny that because i mean jamie Lee curtis was that she when she plays laurie Stray so well in halloween it's kind of virgin or shy awkward teenage girl but in real life she was going to discos um uh being you know she was like a kind of a tomboy and it was completely unlike her character. You know, her character, Laurie Strode, is was more like the um, the character in Terror Train. Slightly more. That was more like real Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, and funnily enough, when when something like Prom Night or Terror, Terror Train came out, they actually had um, they would have like Leslie Nielsen in Prom Night. They didn't say to Jamie Lee Curtis in <laughs> Prom Night. It was kind of funny they didn't you, really use yeah. utilize her, although they did because they wanted that connection. And um, she, I think she was kind of tricked into being not tricked into doing in the movies like Prom Night. She said they added the Escape Killer stuff into it after she'd read the script or after they mm. cut the film. Um, so, uh, but I love the fact that she's gone done this kind of um, 180, or she's gone back. Um, well, she's changed because I think you know she felt typecast. She wanted to do different things uh after she kind of did like you know when she did halloween 2 as a favor to deborah hill and john carpenter um and then did road road games stacy keach and obviously the fog as well obviously another fantastic carpenter movie but um when she went off to do different movies i mean she said that uh, it was interesting she said that um she said that like she did trading places and she said that um, someone said about horror movies and um uh, not being good for women and um being sexist and she said well None of the horror movies that I did asked me to take my top off, unlike Trading Places. Although mm. having said that, obviously lots of slash movies in the early eighties <laughs> yeah, did feature yeah. lots of topless women. But she did this kind of came back to the horror movie, and although she says she doesn't love horror movies herself, she she was too scared by them. But she she actually um, uh, you know has a genuine affection for them, and obviously what what you know her career came from. Um, you know she was I think she's on. Um, sort of the love boat and things like that in the in the late 70s mm. or the um before halloween sort of uh, because obviously coming from hollywood royalty she had that little bit of a, a step up and being the daughter of janet lee the connection mm. to psycho and everything um but uh yeah i'd it'd be interesting i'm looking forward to seeing where the sequels well they the, the how the trilogy closes um yeah because i think i heard the second one it was going to be more like almost like a vigilante one with a town of Haddonfield turning on Michael Myers, it's going to be like this kind of much more like, um but it, it remains to be seen. It's kind of it's a difficult balance, isn't it, between doing the formula and getting the formula right and doing something slightly different with a twist on it, that keeps it fresh, but doesn't ruin it. You know, doesn't make <laughs> yeah, it completely definitely. different. Yeah.
0: It must be quite hard because again, with again, there's been a lot of like redos of older films. I was again, I, I love Star Wars, and every episode of this, mm. I always mention Star Wars. So you know, <laughs> <laughs> but like, when the newest, all the new films came out and they did the Force Awakens, it was basically a remake of a New Hope, wasn't it? The first mm. Star Wars film, and people were like, I enjoyed it because of that because I love that film. But I can see why people were just like, oh. and I guess that must be a balance when you've got something as much loved as Halloween or. I mean, to a different level, Star Wars or whatever. How do you sort of, you've got to please these fans, long her long, die-hard fans, but you've also got to make it interesting for new audiences, haven't you? It must be quite a hard balance. I do think the newer Halloween did it quite well. Yeah. Um, but I do agree with what you were saying earlier about how Jamie Lee Curtis's character, how Laurie should have been, lived more of a normal life, I think. Like how she was in H2O. I think yeah. she was sort of. It was not so that she had like she was traumatized by it. She was like an alcoholic mm-hmm. in that. I think wasn't she? That's yeah. right. Yeah. But she was still like functioning. She was a teacher, and I think it would have been more interesting that. But I could see why they did it. I sort of, yeah. You know, I, I enjoyed that new Halloween film. And I, I mean, I'm very like I said, very interested to see what they do with the next two. Um, Apparently, the two the two kids that are in Halloween the original there. Like main characters of the new one, I think the two
1: younger children. Yeah, is it the, Kyle, Kyle, is it Kyle yeah. Richards? She's the, she played the the little girl in the yeah. uh, Jamie Curtis's Babysitting, and I think the Tommy Doyle characters in it, but he's not played mm. by the same actor because obviously um, Paul Rudd played him in uh, Halloween Six. Oh, of he? course, yeah, that was like so,
0: his first film, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah
1: so I'm surprised. I wondered to wonder if he might come back for it, but yeah. obviously it didn't. That didn't work out. But yeah,
0: especially because um, it's the writer of the new Halloween. It's um, what's his name, Danny
1: um, Daniel Farris. comedy writer.
0: Isn't oh no, not. Um, no, not, the, the writer of the new Halloween is da- Danny McBride. He's like a uh, comedy. He does okay. lots of comedy films, is not he? So yeah. I think he's probably been in a film with uh, with uh, Paul Rudd. I'd imagine he's in lots of those sort of comedy films, is not he? So yeah. Well, he's
1: Paul, apparently Paul Rudd's a massive horror movie fan he loves mm. he, he, so uh he, you know try and get him on the podcast one time but i, d- I don't think uh, <laughs> it's a bit too big a star at the moment so it's like we almost apparently we almost we know someone who knows people who know tom hanks and we all uh, we apparently were very very close to getting an interview with tom hanks i am um, on uh he knows you're alone but it didn't yeah, happen yeah. so but yeah, there you go
0: well, I think with an actor like that, it must be interesting because, I mean, how many times has Tom Hanks been asked about Forrest Gump? Or, you know, yeah. like it must be interesting. He's never been asked about, you know, that, I'd imagine, very often anyway.
1: He's. I think he's been – he he was on Jay Leno or one of those shows and they showed a mm. clip from it and, and he was actually quite humble about it and he said it was my first movie, it gave me a break, you know, it was kind of so um, – he wasn't that dismissive. Because I know there was a period when um, – uh, when I first started writing for uh, doing his serial lives, and even back when we started doing podcast, I remember getting in contact with some people for like a film like The Prey, which is uh, um, you know an early 80s slash movie, and trying to get interviews with people. And people were a bit like, well, I don't want to talk about that, or, or even just wouldn't refuse to even, you know, Point Black said, don't never write to me again um and then you had actors like the i can't remember his name but in silent night deadly night you know where they find find jesus and they'd go off and become very anti-horror yeah. and then of course the advent of all the um uh, of all of the uh, the uh, conventions over the last 10-15 years that people can make a lot of money by appearing in them and obviously people so a lot of that there has been a softening i think in those things because i think a lot of those actors and actresses were stung by the criticism that they got for appearing in slash movies mm-hmm. in the early eighties because. Um, yeah, when I look back at saying when I was doing looking at reviews, because one of the things I love doing is doing research into how these films were received, and I've got a newspaper dot com subscription, so I go back and see how some some of the films, think any reviews, but films like the Burning, you know, it was kind of like um, you know they were saying a gore bore, an abomination you know yeah. kind of the really there was a point in the about sort of 82 83 where several critics said they would just go um no stars and they would say they were refused to review the movies because they said that it would give them oxygen so they were really hated <sighs> yeah. at the time and i think i say like the spinal was,
0: tap shit sandwich type review <laughs>
1: yeah they was kind of because <laughs> yeah. they also they were critic proof as well because they hated you know siskin but hated the friday the 13th movies mm. and they hated um they loved halloween but um they hated all the films that came after that, and I think they were just really annoyed because they were critic-proof. Because audiences mm-hmm. still went to see them, even if you got. That's the thing with horror movies. Even if you get a bad review, people still still want to see it. If you get a if a comedy gets a bad review, people are a bit like well, it's not funny, or you know. But if you go. I can't believe someone's made this this movie where all these teenagers go to the woods and get killed. How unoriginal! I am thinking, wow, that sounds brilliant. You know, it's sort of like <laughs> yeah. it's going to have an audience. that's going to go, yeah, yeah let's watch. You know, let's watch that. And it's kind of, and that's the thing is, I think with um, you know, I don't sit at home watching horror movies twenty four seven. I kind of you do, you know, like art house movies. I like uh, dramas, I like thrillers, I like all sorts of, you know, I I watch them, you know, early seventies European non genre movies, but it's kind of it, I do keep returning to it, and I think you, you just need to have that breadth of film you know of in mm. enjoyment uh, especially as you get older um and uh you know i kind of and i've even seen some um, star wars movies although actually funny enough when i was a kid for some weird reason i didn't want to see the star wars movies when they came out because i thought they were too commercial which is really weird i would have been 8 <laughs> in 1977 so i have no <laughs> idea why i had this kind of very pompous kind of view of star wars when it first came out yeah. in fact the first one i saw at the cinema was return of the jedi which was so so I caught up with them and loved them afterwards. But um, yeah, that was very strange. I'm not quite sure why that was. It had this kind of strange, it must be some weird seventies sort of uh, of childhood affectation. I don't know what, what that was about.
0: I guess I suppose at that time it was just everywhere, wasn't it? I guess, you know, I I was, I, you know, even for me as a kid, I was born in like 84. So like, even for me as a kid, star Wars was everywhere, but I'd imagine, you know, the mid to late seventies, it was everywhere.
1: Well, it was kind of strange at that time. Well, not strange, but because growing up, uh, you know, I'm trying to think. I, you know, I remember going to see Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs at the cinema. I'm not, you know, it was a re release because I used to re release all the th- things. And I think that would be my first time going to cinema. But then it was that time. Um, I don't know if you remember a film called Meteor, which was the a disaster movie, which um, mm. uh, came out in 1979. I went to see that cinema, and that's one of the ones we got there, and, not, and there was nobody there. And I went with my mother, and we knocked at the door and the 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 um, manager came down and we said well, what's going on he said well no one's come to see it so we're not showing it today so i remember thinking but then looking up and there were scanners i think it was scanners was um was the other film showing and going can i see that and i remember saying no because it was an extra certificate. <laughs> yeah. but um yeah it's yeah it's uh yeah funny old times
0: <laughs> yeah obviously you're still keeping up with modern horrors anything yeah. in particular that you've seen recently that you've uh, you would recommend
1: Ah, I'm trying to think actually. I'm um, I saw there was a one film I saw that I thought was um really good was Hunter Hunter which was um uh, it was is Devin Sauer who was in Final Destination <laughs> completely unrecognizable actually from um, uh, obviously he's 20 years older but um about a, a kind of a separatist family that little uh, husband and wife who lives in the woods uh and sort of uh, lives apart from civilization and um there's a wolf that's kind of stalking them, but there's something else going there's there's something else going on it's basically this kind of who's the hunter and who's the hunted and it has a kind of uh you don't know whether it's supernatural tin or there's it's kind of it's kind of very playful but also quite um quite sort of graphically violent towards the end which um but it has a a payoff which kind of works so I thought that was really good. Um another film I watched um, funny enough actually talking about not liking extreme horror but a film I watched the the other day which I hadn't seen for a while was Starry Eyes um which is about a uh, um which from I think it's it's probably about 10 years old now about uh, a woman uh in trying to make a in Hollywood as an actress and there's kind of like a satanic kind of cult thing going on and she has to um make these sacrifices for fame so it's kind of a parable like kind of around fame um but, uh, yeah, I mean, lots of... I mean, The Killer of Dolls was um, a film that I'd recommend if you've got, like, a taste for the weird Eurocult, uh side of things. I've been on Lamberto Barva kick. Um, we just reviewed um, uh, the film uh, Body Puzzle, which is his kind of oh, yeah. shallow Shallow, um, which uh, I hadn't seen for That's a like while. Nineties
0: one, right? That's like Ninety-two, a, yeah. Nineties, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. quite a strange time for that uh, for a Shallow, it was definitely. Not it was, around that time, was
1: there? Yeah. So I've just reviewed, but reviewing it for the site as well, and it's kind of I hadn't seen it for a while, but it's had like it's it's what I love about some of those again those kind of eighties and you know mostly eighties slash movies, um, and some horror movies as well. Some of them, you know, but they are kind of the what the fuck moments. You know, when suddenly something happens, you go, what the fuck? It's kind of like, and in that one, in Body Puzzle, there's an amazing sequence where the killer is hiding in a chest freezer just on the chance someone walks past and then starts <laughs> looking inside and then jumps up from underneath these frozen pizzas. And he's thinking, what the fuck? But it's so, you know, it's, and there's a great scene where the killer um, jumps, uh, dies in the swim ball and swim, you see swimming underwater with this carving knife to kill someone <laughs> so it's just i love about the chalet and the sort of lamberto bava i think is is arguably i think is more playful than um he's lighter touch than dario argento i love dario argento's he's, he's, you know i love his mm-hmm. films well not all of them obviously but um uh, the classic era films i love them but uh lamberto bava seems to have a lot of fun with his movies without it tipping over a complete parody although having a killer in a chest freezer jumping out from under frozen pizza and, and tagliatelle is probably quite close to parody but um <laughs> yeah. but he's got like you know all those those, those 80s ones your diet midnight delirium photos of goya um you know they're, they're so much fun and of course he made de- you know demons and yeah. demons one and two which are like you know fantastic 80s um so so movies so um but uh yeah all those i mean i'm you know there's so many i always do this when i go on a podcast and i have to write down what i've watched because i forget it By the time we get around to it, I can't can't think of anything else i watched recently. But uh, um, uh, I got – because I got an Amazon Fire Stick because obviously we're in Spain and sort of – but they've got like freebie channels, sort of uh, like amazing movies and all these kind of – so going back and um, and, uh, on Plex and stuff. And they've got these kind of strange 70s TV movies of like – like I don't know if you remember the Brian Clemens do you remember Brian Clemens? He did a, a series called Thriller in the seventies and it'd always be like a, a woman in peril type thing. And there was a um there was a fantastic one called I'm the girl you I think it's called I'm the girl you want to kill or and it's about a psycho killer chasing this woman around in the par um uh, a tower block. Uh and they were shot on video in the mid seventies. So they've got that kind of weird seventies shot on videos, everything glares and has orange or purple halos around it. Um, but he wrote loads of he, he um if you look him up he's he 's just he 's got a very kind of proto slashery feel to feel to them so uh, uh, and I, I watched one and i, I come it 's the the woman hunter, which sounds like a terribly misogynistic <laughs> title, but it was um it was a seventies um sort of pot boiler about uh, an heiress being trying to be driven mad by some gigolo. But, you know stuff like that are just kind of fun it's fun to pass the especially yeah. covid afternoons of kind of like not being yeah. able to go out it's kind of like finding some old 70s pot boiler is always a, is always a joy there's always something to, <laughs> fun to be had with it
0: yeah definitely yeah, yeah. So. thank you very much for doing that I really again really appreciate it and it was no, a no no it's had, it was I had fun
1: so yeah I look forward to hearing back